Thanks for coming tonight. It's a pleasure. They're not a bad bunch. You'll be all right with them. You're okay. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to do a short interview uh, with Andy now, find out a bit about him, talk about his life and his faith. Um, and after that, I'm going to let you do some two or three minutes work on your tables. We're going to break for refreshments and then come back and do something across the generations is the idea. But more of that as we move on. So first off, where do you come from? Uh, well, Market Drayton in right. Shropshire is where I grew up. Right, okay. Not and how long, you know, did you live there for 20 years, whatever? Yeah, well, I was born just up near Manchester and then moved there when I was about four or five. So then grew up there till I was about 18 and then went off to uni and never went back. We won't say anything about that. <laughs> no, okay, fair enough. And uh, in that time, while you were growing up, I think that was the time when you were introduced to the Christian faith. Yes. So yep. briefly, how did you come to faith? Briefly, well, pretty simply, I was sent to a Sunday school by my mum. Um, it was run by a teacher from my secondary school, so instantly the appeal was zero. Uh, and there were about four of us, um, so that, was really, that wasn't that good. And then the local Anglican Sunday school had lots of people at it, so I went there. Um, and then they came asking for some people to join the choir, and the choir got paid to do weddings, so I joined the choir. Um, and then basically some of the choir then went to a youth group, so I went to that, and then some of the youth group, and especially most of the girls, went to something on a Sunday evening called Connections. So I followed the girls, primarily, well, it was the girls really, to be honest, to the Sunday evening sort of fellowship stuff, um, ended up meeting a lovely girl, uh, and I ended up getting to know God. Um, one of the things stayed in my life forever, one of them didn't. And it was God that stayed in my life forever. Okay. I got dumped, basically. Oh, dear. <laughs> Other than that, the story's very common. Oh, We've yeah. Heard that yeah, story yeah. Before, yeah. Okay. Can you recall at this stage, Andy, what it was that actually led you not just to go along to a group, yeah, but yeah. to get to know God? Was there anything particular about that, or did it just sort of happen very gradually? Um, it's a, I think when I, certainly when I was in church, um, even just as a chorister that was just singing, not initially for the primary of getting a pound that's what she used to get for weddings a pound <laughs> used to get it in a note as well before they had coins anyway that was enough of that um it, after a while i actually thought there's something going on here but i didn't quite know what and then i got confirmed and thought yeah there's a bit more here but i still didn't know what and then when i eventually went to the sort of the evening fellowship stuff that was a lot more young people orientated actually i could see by some of the adults who weren't much more older than me what a presence God was having in their lives and that's where I thought yeah I want a bit of that right. and opened my life up and got a bit of it and it just sort of went from there really. Okay now as it went from there I'd like you to jump years ahead okay. to now and think back over the last four or five years and in a couple of minutes just tell us how has your faith grown to where it is mm. what's helped what have been the challenges where are you at now with God? Gosh if I'm jumping ahead I suppose I think how it's grown is that every time I've had decisions to make or things to come, it's actually been, well, you know, what would God want me to do here? And whatever challenging situations I find myself at in life, in jobs or relationships, work, things like that, it's all, I seem to have always found myself in a position where I've had to make some difficult choices and do some difficult things. Um, and I've always been able to do them um, regardless of the personal cost. So there can be times when I've led big teams and I've caught most of that team doing something they shouldn't have and I've had to deal with it knowing full well that whether my tyres would still be up on my car when I get in the car park at the end of the factory unit and stuff like that. But 
what that quickly tended to show was Andy will do the right thing and he'll keep doing that. Yes, he's, not op he's open to seeing where other things might go. And if somebody points out that that was the wrong thing and this is the right thing, he'll listen and then change direction if need be. But what I won't, you know, what I won't do is be blown off by other people shouting or popularity. I'll try my best to do the right thing. Okay, and that's not easy always, is it? No, it's not. No. no. Now, uh, when we met in your house the other day, we talked about have a go, Andy, <laughs> and it would be fair to say you've done a lot of things. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've had a. So before you say anything about that, Rob, if we can have the slide up that just gives you the feel for what this guy's done in his life. That's the, the bottom bit of my CV. Yeah, that's the bottom bit. Yeah, some of the, some of the bottom ones drop off a little. Okay. Just because the older you get, it's, it's trickier to put all the jobs you've done. Well, I find it is anyway. Right. Okay. So you can see from that, Andy's done a lot in life, a lot of different things. And all I'm going to do now, Andy, is ask you to pick two or three things off there that, mm. in a sense, shape how you've worked with God in your work in life. Gosh. Um, I think the police one's an obvious... Well, the, the homelessness one and the policeman one at the bottom, I think, are obvious ones. Let's start with them. Yeah, because the equipment specialist in retail... When I was at uni, I was just into outdoor pursuits, and then I got a job being paid to be into outdoor pursuits. So of course, I was in 7th Heaven for a couple of years. And I thought, well, I'd better get a proper job. Um, anyway, so I started working with the homeless, and it was quite a rough one just outside Wigan. So all the people in Manchester who were getting beaten up and shot in Manchester were moved to Wigan, which is only about seven or eight miles from Manchester, why they didn't think people would come and beat them up and shoot them there. But the bit that I got a lot from there was, was really just trying to... It was about helping sustain people. They were trying to make a change, so let's try and help them have the... I don't know, the gumption, the wherewithal, the, the internal drive to actually want to make that change. Um, and then I was a special constable as well whilst I was a support worker, and I thought I've always fancied being a policeman to see if I could help bring the change about from that side of things. Uh, and for about 12 months, it went quite well. And then for the second 12 months, I thought, I can't do this. And, and it was the first job, the first thing I'd had a go at that I couldn't do. And it took about six months of me really trying to do it before I realised I can't, and then six months coming to terms of what that meant and then just having to walk away um, from that. So that sort of did quite a bit, because in the police it was pretty tough, lots of people thinking you were a Christian, um, but equally as well pretty tough, Some of the, a lot of the stuff I saw and had to do from being a Christian as well, and actually thought, I can't do this, right. can't do that. So that really was one of the first things I'd ever had a go at that I couldn't do. And did it take a while to pick yourself up from that? Yes, yeah, okay. definitely, okay. definitely. Now, there was something about being a policeman that you really struggled with, that you felt wasn't part of you. Yes. So just to nail that one, what was it? Um, it was having to hurt people physically, because um, you had to do it as part of the job. If someone's two people are fighting or someone's coming at you with a smashed bottle, you had to really hurt them, and you had to hurt them enough to get them to stop doing what they were doing so you could then grab control of them. And I'm very glad there are people in the world that can do that because it needs to happen at times. Um, but that's not something Andy Haynes can do. That's not something I could do. I did it, but I didn't like it. Okay. So working out how your faith and your work life interact mm. is something that's been really important to you. Yes, very okay. much so.
Yeah. Very much so. Okay. So, in a sense, whatever the issue that led him to resign, the wrestling that's gone on in Tim Farron over the last few weeks. Oh, that, yeah. That's tough. Yeah. It's, inter it's interesting, isn't it, just how people are commenting on mm. that and what it is to be a Christian in the public yeah. sphere and that. Okay. Pick another. Uh, well, I'll pick one for you, actually, up there. Um, Premier Christian Radio. That's when I first had yes, a deep chat with met. you. So, mm. tell us about that and why you're not doing that anymore. Well... It was the first, I call it, the first, the first Christian job I'd ever done. Um, so I've been involved in church stuff, but I was actually getting paid to be a Christian. Um, well, paid to be a Christian. <laughs> that doesn't quite mean what, say, what it sounds like. But, so basically, everybody I met was a Christian. Everyone I talked to was a Christian. The whole environment I in, was in was a completely 100% Christian environment. Um, and... The reason I took the job is I'd been praying for a while about how could I use my God-given talents yep. um, in a kingdom-orientated way. Uh, and I got that job. Uh, and I did a lot of stuff with it, which was, which was great. But I almost found it sort of thinking, you know what, Andy Haynes doesn't quite fit in the church 100% in terms of... And I, there was a phrase somebody used that, that uh, really made me sort of think that, you know what, the church has got enough professional Christians. And I'm glad there's people like you who do give their lives to it. But you know what, Andy Haynes, and again, it was probably one of the other jobs, and I'm thinking, I can't do that. Yeah. And I actually thought, I've done enough, and I need to move on from this. However, I'd learned from the other one in that as soon as I started feeling that, yeah. I thought, right, I'm going to move on, okay. rather than clinging on with fingernails until it took non-Christians to point out to me, like they did in the police, I'm in the wrong job, mate. Yeah. I actually thought, I know I'm in the wrong job. I've done my piece Yep. And that's some of the things that, that have gone on in my career or the situations I've dealt with is actually your time here is done now or you've right. done this piece of work, move on and, and do something else. Okay, good. One of the things I've talked to you in your home is about we've tried to get our heads around here what it is to be whole life disciples, mm. that we don't compartmentalise our Christian life. Yeah. That's something you've really been trying to do down the years, yeah? Yes, no, very much so. And I actually thought, well... I sort of felt I lost my identity a little bit in the Premier Christian Radio bit because everybody you met was a Christian. Everybody, when you turned up to something, they knew you were a Christian. So everything was around me was a Christian. And I was thinking, well, which is fine, but not for me. And nice. I quite like being a Christian in a non-Christian world. Yeah. And if you work, um, the vast majority of your work of your week is spent with non-Christians. And, right. and I was missing those opportunities to be a Christian in a non-Christian world. Okay. And one question particularly about that, um, in that non-Christian situation as a Christian, normal life, are, are you finding yourself as someone who can speak about your faith in normal work? Yes, yeah. definitely. And is that easy, difficult? Um, it can be a bit tricky sometimes because you don't want to upset people or see them run off. Um, but equally as well, that doesn't embarrass me or frighten me from doing things yeah. and it's just also as well just just be natural and open if someone asks you what you did at the weekend or oh, was it two church services on Sunday well what's wrong with saying that you know or, or I led two church services and people might not say anything at first but then they'll quietly tell you what they did at a weekend so why not tell them what you did right. and then that can just naturally see so do that church thing then do you yeah 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 a bit oh and then you sort of that can just open conversations and people just get to see that you enjoy a laugh, you will go for a pint after work with people. You're a normal person, but you also do a few other things as well. Okay, good stuff. Now, uh, I'm not going to ask you your age, but something as a, in terms of an interest that you took up when you were 40. Yes. Okay, 
We might need a slide on this one. Tell us what you decided to do when you were 40. Tell us, first of all, what it was. Um, well, it's something I'd fancy doing since I was 16. So, well, you work the sums out, can't you? And I never got around to doing it with 16 because other adrenaline fueled hobbies got in the way. Um, but I took up racing sidecars as a passenger. So uh, that's me on the, the back, on the side, hanging out. So, uh, yeah, so I took up, uh, took up doing that sort of thing. Right, okay. So tell us a bit about it then and tell us how you got into that and how it's developed. Yeah, well, quite simply, is um, I went to watch the TT races at the Isle of Man, got chatting to a guy literally sat in a hedge as you do watching the sidecars go past. Turns out he used to race sidecars as a passenger. I said, I've always fancied having a go at that. I like that one because that bend's called Church Bends, so oh. I thought it was quite appropriate to show. Uh, that was last year. Um, so I um, got chatting to him, and he said, well, you do want to have a go, don't you? And you're not some sort of... Because I'd said, look, I'll have a go. If I don't like it, I'll walk away. I've got no you know, do with that. And I'm fit as a fiddle because I keep myself fit training and stuff. And he said, well, I know a few people are looking for someone to have a go, go and have a go. So right. I did. And um, you know, I am actually posing for the camera there. That's the warm <laughs> down lap. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of fun. Um, so yeah, we just sort of went from there, really. And um, the first guy who, let, who needed me to have a go actually said, you're actually all right for your first go. And I said, I love it. So we went even faster second time. And, and just actually, it turned out to be pretty good, which right. I didn't know I was going to be able to, but it turned out pretty good. So on that bike, we would regularly win. On the green one, we were regularly sort of second and third. You okay. Know. So, yeah. okay. So there was a particular time when this came up as a kind of almost a calling. It's a slightly weird story, but tell us the story about that scripture verse. Oh, the scripture verse. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, well, I was actually racing um, at Darleymoor, which is actually just near Ashbourne. And I was feeling, just sort of, I, was, I don't know, I just felt a bit, hmm, I don't know, I didn't know why at the time, so I stopped for a moment, I thought, I'm going to, and I was about to walk off the racetrack and drive home, and I thought, I'll stop for a moment and pray about this. I thought, why am I feeling a bit, hmm? and the message came quite clear, that, that really, a lot of the racing takes place on Sundays, and I was missing being in church. And that was the bit, I was sort of missing that bit. Because I am out there in a non-Christian world and I needed just that bit. I was missing that bit. And I said to God, right, if I need to stop doing this, I, I will. And the message and sense just immediately came back. And you'd like it when God says, yes, stop it then. But he doesn't, does he? He just sort of, there's this real sense of, if you're going to do it, do something with it. And I thought, oh, come on, give me a bit more than that. Anyway, so I started driving out, and I, as I was driving out, I noticed a tent on the left-hand side with lots of motorbikes in. And one of them had Axe 2024 on the side. So I thought, right, I'm um, stopped. And quite often, these readings, bits of bodywork from motorbikes, because they often crash, um, get swapped around. So I made no assumption when I was walking back towards this tent that anybody knew um, what that would have meant. So when I walked around the corner, it was a white bike I'd seen, surrounded by four red bikes. Well, when I walked into the tent, there were four red bikes and no white bike. So I pestered the guys, where's the white bike? We haven't got one, it's a red one. He says, no, there was a white one in the middle. He says, there isn't. We've always had red bikes. And I thought, hold on. Okay, I think, uh, yeah, bye guys. And he went, you're a sidecar passenger, aren't you? You're nuts. You, yeah, 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 whatever, <laughs> whatever. Um, of course, knowing the Bible really well, I knew it instantly. I didn't know how to write it on my hand because even no 4G or anything. So dr drove home got in, straight on the Bible, Acts 20, 24, which came up. 
However, consider my life worth nothing, which people think is quite funny when you, you do the sidecar stuff. Um, my only aim is to finish the race, complete the task the Lord has given me, that of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So I thought, right. So then over the off-season, the sort of concept of the racing preacher, because I'm a Methodist local preacher, sort of came in. Um, I got it on the back of my leathers, and, well, it just sort of went from there, really. Right, now, you're a have-a-go guy, and you nearly lost the opportunity to have a go earlier this year. You better tell I us did, about that. I did, yes, yes. Well, it's actually funny enough, the first picture that, that you put up um, is slightly relevant, with the, the big green one with me hanging, hanging off uh, hanging off the back. Uh, that's it, yes. The reason I point that one is that's at Brands Hatch, and that's on the left-hand bend called, uh, funny enough, Graham Hill Bend. Uh, you're probably old enough to remember Graham Hill Racing, aren't you? Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rob will be, and a few others maybe as well. Um, so at Graham Hill Bend, literally back in March, I was doing exactly that. Um, however, it was wet, and we were in third, and there were 25 other sidecars behind us. Um, and first lap, everyone's quite close. We went round that bend, and probably just after that moment, as John accelerated, the thing spun. Um, and we did a complete 360 degrees spin. But as it came round, we were broadside in the middle of the track, and of course, all the other sidecars sort of moved slightly to try and miss us. However, one guy didn't and collected me off the back at about 80 mile an hour and shot me about 40, 50 foot down the racetrack. So I sort of landed in a bit of a heap. And and and, and, and as I landed, um, I can remember, um, uh, how shall I say, there, were, there was a few things that I was spitting out of my mouth and things like that that, were red in, that was red in colour. And, uh, and, and a hymn just entered my mind, and it's not a hymn I sing, which was... Um, Oh, what was it now? It's suddenly gone. Oh, oh, I can't remember which one it was now. But it sort of came in and I just sort of rolled over onto my back. Right. And uh, yes, it was, uh, I was in a little bit of pain. And, but yeah. You better show us your scratches. Well, that's the annoying thing is, oh, really? is they are scratches. But literally, I have quite a large piece of metal that runs down that arm because I broke that bone. Uh, and I have another large piece of metal in my collarbone because I broke that bone. But they did such a good job. I haven't even got any decent scars. I sort of wanted a... You can see, can you just about see it? Yeah, yeah is it? I know, you did, I wanted a thing. <laughs> but no, so I've got big chunks of metal in there and there. Um, but other than that, completely fine. Okay. So, yeah. Well, that's good. Nonetheless, you have a family? Yes, yes. So for now, you've not retired, but you've withdrawn from racing for this season? Yes, yeah. I might go back later this season as sort of fitness and things sort of pick yeah. back up. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so I had, cause, because I was quite good, I had three three rides signed up with sponsors and stuff for this season. So as soon as I got damaged, um, because of the, the level that I race at, um, you can't just sort of come back in gradually. You need to be on it straight away. So I just sort of resigned from those three rides and just needed to ride this season off and just get fit again. Yeah. And then decide if I wanted to go back. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. And the one last thing I want to ask you is, uh, one of the things I'm going to ask the people on the table to do later on is to think about how they live out their faith in the places, the communities they live in. Mm. What would you say is the one thing, the inspirational thing, that for you marks that out and keeps you on track? Um, I would certainly say the, same, the thing being is that since I put Racing Preacher on the back of things and you're just sat chilling out with people having a beer and stuff like that and it helps being quite good at it and that they sort of respect you as a racer and the fact that you're then as a, a Christian. A number of people have said to us loads of times, 
and they'll be talking to you about what's this mean and what's that mean and do you reckon we're all going to die and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and I haven't got any off-pat answers to some of that, but the fact you're willing to have a conversation, and the one bit that's really struck me is, I've never, you're all right for a Christian, I've never met a Christian before. And I've always said to them, you're wrong, because you will have met a Christian before, because we're everywhere. But what worries me is that people didn't know yeah. that they'd met a Christian. Now, don't get me wrong, you haven't got to start praying for them and, and stuff like that, because they'll run a mile, and they'll think you're all loopy as Christians. But... That's the bit, is that I think if you got to know me as a non-Christian and just bumped into me, in a, a couple of days of working together or a week or so, you, you would know that I was a Christian. Right. And it was actually, would people know that with you? So don't bury your treasure, basically. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's good. Okay, give Andy a round of applause.